your kind of style. I'm Guy Gordon. And I'm Joanne Purton. We are now just about 15 minutes away from the blast that is going to bring down one of the most enduring landmarks in the city of Detroit. It's a, it's a store that meant millions and meant so much to all of us. But the great thing is, is that the memories will never be lost. They will always be with us forever. But we do need a new dynamic downtown to match our vibrant, outstanding neighborhoods. And I can remember being dropped off in the toy department to uh, spend some hours while Mama did some shopping here. Just the decorations and how beautiful the building was and the escalators were really great when I was a kid so that was the big adventure saying goodbye to a great deal of history but also as you mentioned there looking forward to the future looking forward to what that ground there that area there can hold standing on the corner of Woodward and Gratiot Avenues in downtown Detroit the JL Hudson's building was once as synonymous in describing Detroit as the automobiles that served as the Motor City's chief export in the bustling metropolis Standing at 410 feet in height and encompassing more than 2.1 million square feet, the building stood as a symbol of glamour for three generations of Detroiters prior to its closure in 1983 and subsequent demolition in 1998. Fast forward to present day, where a new development is rising on the historic site as Detroit continues its evolution. The first skyscraper constructed in downtown Detroit in 30 years, the mixed-use development will consist of dining and shopping, office space, event space, and a five-star hotel. To talk more about what it's like building the future of Detroit on such an iconic site and some of the unique challenges that come with building in the heart of a busy downtown, we're pleased to be joined in studio by two of the superintendents on site, Zach Pung and Chad Beldiga. Utilizing goats to clear vegetation on a steep hillside to save on manpower and ensure safety. We've done that. Watching a world-renowned architect crumble up a piece of paper and tell you that's how they want their building to be designed? We've been there, too. Ever envision a brick-laying robot or material lift unit assisting laborers with building? No, it's not something out of the Terminator. We've done that on our projects. Every project has a great story. With over 3,000 team members and nearly 100 years of experience in the construction industry, we at Barton Mallow have more than a few to tell that don't fit the usual industry coverage. I'm Eric Fish. And I'm Rob Riley. And we're both Barton Mallow team members and the hosts of this podcast. And we're going to be bringing you the untold stories from the job site. The weird, the wild, and the unconventional paths to success. It's construction, but it's said differently. If we could start out by just having you both uh, introduce yourself, maybe just give your name, role, and uh, and how long you've been with Barton Mallow. Uh, I am Chad Beldiga, General Superintendent. I've been with Barton Mallow just shy of 18 years now. Awesome. Uh, Zach Pong, Superintendent, working with Chad, just over six years with Barton Mallow. Cool. And so before we get into some of the Hudson stuff, can you talk a little bit about other projects you've worked on or maybe some of your background maybe prior to joining the Hudson's project? Yeah, uh, for me, um, started off as a as a laborer or, hey, go do whatever it is I'm telling you to do per type of person and then uh, moved into a carpentry role and uh, and uh, end up uh, got some uh, really good opportunities along the way and took advantage of it and was surrounded by some really good people to get me where I am today. Awesome. Zach? Yeah, I uh, grew up around residential construction with my family and then uh, went to Michigan State, got a degree, worked uh, with the university on their construction team while I was there and then when I started with Barton Mallow, uh, went to uh, DMC Children's Hospital first, and then went to Shinola Hotel downtown, and have pretty much stayed on that block with a couple other small projects, and then the Hudson site where Hip Chad and I have been the last three years. 
We understand that you guys are a bit of Hudson's historians here. Do you have any knowledge you can just wow us with about the site or the old building? Oh, geez. I mean, how much time do we have? Yeah. yeah the Hudson site itself does does have a, a significant um, story behind it. Um, uh, I, you, you know, Zach and I are, are, well, all of us are are too young to really know. It was closed, I believe, in the mid-80s. Um, it was the headquarters for um, Hudson's Department Store, which I believe was acquired by uh, Marshall Fields, which uh, got acquired by Macy's, etc. It was the tallest department store uh, in the country. And then uh, I believe it was around 420 feet tall uh, to the very top. Uh, There's uh, 33 floors. It was huge, just shy of 2.2 million square feet. Uh, it literally took up the entire city block. Um, you know, it, coincidentally enough, I mean, the, the development that we're putting in right now is a very large development. We've got two buildings um, equaling around a million and a half square feet, give or take. Um, so this, I mean, as large of a development as we're doing right now, uh, it is considerably smaller than what was there originally. Um, it was, uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken to, to this day is still the world's largest building to ever be imploded, uh, back in, uh, October of 1998, it was, uh, imploded, uh, and, um, you know, the, the years following that with cleanup, they put in an underground parking garage, a four story underground parking garage with the intent of building, uh, two buildings on top of it. So the foundations, there's a big five foot thick mat foundation that, uh, we got to play with for uh, approximately 19 months uh, when we showed up on site. Um, but unfortunately, uh, due to the downturn of the economy in, in Detroit, going through what was happening, uh, that those buildings never came to fruition. So, you know, hearing a little bit about it from different people that went to the store, you, you realize it's it was a massive building. It, it actually had 51 passenger elevators. It had 17 freight, eight employee elevators and 48 escalators. So I read that, you know, at its time, that amount of elevators and transportation was just like next level. It was a next level building. So it had 200 department stores spread throughout 17 floors of retail space, which I mean, that's bigger than most malls, right? So yeah, plus everything else that it had. So definitely really cool to be working on the site and, you know, taking what was a super special building for Detroit, you know, that used to be and uh, working on a project that it will be, you know, special to come. So, so a lot of maybe some of the, you know, older gentlemen and women that are working on the site with you probably do remember that, or maybe even visited it as children, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So they probably have some memories too, coming on site to, you know, construct this new build, right? Yeah. The, uh, well, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of people that I hear that can remember it. I mean, there, there's stories, uh, you know, all over the place on, on, uh, you know, the, being there as a kid, it, the story is always with, you know, going there to see Christmas, Santa at Christmas right? time. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, also the big American flag, um, you know, they, they, uh, at flag day every year up until I think in the mid seventies, they put uh, the world's largest American flag up. Um, which, uh, unfortunately I just, I read recently did get properly destroyed uh, by the Smithsonian, but, um, you know, in fact, the, the demolition contractor that that uh, demoed the the uh, four story underground parking garage for us uh, here a few years back um, was the uh, original demolition contractor for the original building. So uh, there's people that were on our crew that worked on that crew as apprentices or whatever. So there's there, there's a ton of cool stories that come along with this. I mean, it doesn't sound like the novelty is worn off of working on a site like this. No, it hasn't. No, I mean, when you were, I mean, again, it, it's, it's the heart of downtown. I don't care whether you go to downtown Chicago, downtown New York, they're, 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 when you're at downtown, there is just a different feel about it. It doesn't matter what city you're in, but when you're in a downtown setting and, and we are in the heart of it, you don't get any closer. I mean, every road literally leads to our site, Grand River, Gratiot, Woodward. It, it, it's all going right to our gates of our site and it's, we're right in the heart. So can we then transition now to maybe some of the challenges of building in that, you know, heart of downtown Detroit, like you said, right. As you guys intersect into campus marshes there. So can you talk a little bit about what some of the key challenges of like getting material and equipment into a site like this are? 
just building in a busy city has challenges. We, we have so much truck traffic that has to get in and out of the site every day. So that's always first in, you know, our topics of conversation is getting deliveries in, getting material out. Uh, we're using a pretty cool software that actually was intended to be used by hairstylists booking appointments. So uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, What's that called? It's called Reservio. We're actually <laughs> probably going to use it going forward, but we just stumbled upon it and we laugh about it now, but it's working great. And four men are available to book times for you know deliveries. And if that time is taken up, then it doesn't even show up. Just like if a hair stylist appointment, you know, if she was already busy or he was already busy, then you won't be able to book your hair uh, appointment for that time. That's cool though. I mean, that's interesting. Who, anyone, is there someone seriously though that like found that app and was like, Hey, this could work. Yeah. For, yeah. For yeah. This. So we, we, we knew we were going to have a problem with deliveries, right? Because we got, there's two separate buildings going on, uh, two separate contracts, uh, four gates. And, and I mean, yes, it's a tight site, but if we were to look at other, you know, downtown settings, again, Chicago, New York, Boston, you name it, we, we are, we have quite a luxurious site. You know, there, there is a decent amount of room there, but uh, Dominic Lombardo, uh, at the time he was a brand new hire for us. Um, very sharp. And, um, you know, I asked him, Hey man, we, we, we need to figure out, there's gotta be something in this world that, that, you know, that we can schedule deliveries and and, and it goes even beyond deliveries. It, it's, it's tower crane time. At the time we had two tower cranes now we're down to one Zach's building is topped out and, and, uh, nearly enclosed, um, our buck hoist. We have six different buck hoists, you know, each gate concrete pump, um, ramp down into the base. So we, we, we still have two levels below grade, um, just to make sure that we're not, you don't have two people going in the same time here at the same spot at the same time. And, um, he did some research and, and, you know, after, I don't know, probably a week or so he came up with this stylist, you know, uh, scheduling software and it's, it's very customizable. I mean, every time you click tower crane one, um, you know, it, it pops up a different color. So every morning it's on our phones, iPads or whatever you can click on it and it just boom pops right up and, and we can go out weeks in advance. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the Thanksgiving day parade, you know, with that, we, we, uh, had to facilitate, uh, you know, WDIV channel Four WDIV's, uh, uh, production trailer uh, in the site. So we can just say, Hey, uh, gate one is blocked for, you know, Tuesday, 11, until, you know, 6 PM Thanksgiving day. And it's just, everybody can see it and there's no surprises. So it, it really has been working out well. You know, the, you, you still have the challenge of, uh, you know, over the road truckers, you know, coming, you know, we got air handlers coming from Mexico. We got, you know, uh, all, all of our unitized systems uh, for uh, Zach's building is coming from China. So there's still variables, you know, yep. between mm-hmm. you know, shipping and trains and over the road drivers and stuff like that. But all things considered, it's been managed very well. But, but like anything else, it does need to be managed. So we just talked about, you know, challenges of getting all this material. And you mentioned a ton of different trucks and deliveries and things like that. But for maybe people that don't know the scale or um, maybe the scope of this project, could you one of you like outline that as far as like what what that site entails? Like, what are we building there? Yeah, it's kind of broken down into three different structures. So, um, you know, below grade, it's, you know, the hole itself is. 420 feet long, 230 feet wide by uh, 39 foot, six and three quarters of an inch deep, I believe it is. So you can fact check me on that one if you want. <laughs> um, but uh, so, uh, you know, below grade, it, it's base. There's there's parking, a lot of back house spaces, all of the main um, uh, points of entry for sanitary storm, steam, you know, you name it. All, all the utilities come in down on the base. Um, you know, and just, you know, there's some uh, 
locker rooms and such for, you know, some of the building engineers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, so that, that gets you up to grade. So and we were in a hole for a long time. I mean, we didn't come out for, uh, I think it was two and a half years, probably by the time we drilled the caissons and, and, and built all this, it's, it is a robust structure underground. Demoed the parking garage that was there. Yep. Yeah. And now you drive by, it just looks like two buildings coming out. So we have two other buildings. Uh, it's called the block and the tower. The block building is a, is a 12 story uh, mixed use facility. The whole thing is mixed use. So it's a little bit of everything you name it, retail, office, hotel, residential, and um, so uh, Zach's, Zach, Zach's building is a uh, 12-story building, um, 600,000 square feet, give or take. And then the, the tower building um, is going up, uh, you know, six, over 600 feet. And then uh, it is housed with, uh, you know, there's some amenity space and hotel and, and residential units. Um, but, yes, it, it is a big development. Again, total of a uh, little over a million and a half square feet, I believe, uh, you know, when, which you include all the base. Um, but it, it's as, it's as big as they come, um, yeah. you know, especially here, uh, in Detroit right now, it, it is, uh, at least to my knowledge by, uh, by size is, is certainly the biggest development in, in quite some time. And in the third, uh, the first high rise, it's gone up in the city in, in three decades. So, you know, you talked about some of the logistics with material delivery and, and things of that nature, but you're closing roads, the Duke connections and to make way for deliveries. You got the people mover right there, the queue line. I mean, you can talk about some of those ta- challenges as well. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I guess we'll start on the, the, the two trains. We got the people mover on the east side of the site, and then we have the M1 rail on the west side of the site. Quite frankly, the, the, the M1 rail uh, on the Woodward side, it doesn't really affect us much. I mean, we had to go through some permitting, of course, and, and that type of thing. And, and um, you know, th- those folks are, are, were very good to work with and, and continue to be. Um, people mover, on the other hand, um, not that they weren't uh, good to work with by any means, but um, it was a much more difficult uh, process to get, get go through the permitting because of the, the, the train is literally in our sight. So, mm-hmm. our, you know, when you walk in the fence, the first thing you see is, is there is a overhead rail above your head. Um, you know, that, that rail is within 12 feet of, of the block building, uh, the one that Zach's working on. So you can imagine some of the, uh, the the nerves that went along with with that from you know from flying steel formwork uh, you know uh, our unitized uh, curtain wall system gets flown from the floors so the, you know that that was quite a process to get through especially when we were doing underground and caisson work because we were you know the, uh, again the, the the piers for this thing I believe at this point were were twelve feet away from the hole so you had the piers that support this train and then a forty foot hole right next to it so um, went through a lot of processing a lot of testing um, you know dirt until we got up through. Uh, uh, grade level. There was vibration monitoring. There was tilt monitors, uh, you know, y- you name it. There was just all kinds of monitoring on this thing just to make sure that, uh, that it hasn't, uh, gone off without a hitch and, 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 you know, knock on wood, we haven't had a single issue, um, with it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say, uh, the, the, about the only benefit of COVID other than my commute to and from the city, uh, <laughs> has been, has been that that train was, was shut down for uh, well over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was, and again, not that our, our processes would have changed cause they, they didn't. Um, but it was just in the back of your mind that, Hey, that thing's not going to be flying by every four and a half minutes. Uh, cause that's how often that train goes by and, um, cer- certainly helpful for us. And, and, and we did, uh, you know, through again, proper printing permitting processes, when we were doing some concrete places, we would, uh, actually, uh, kind of stick the concrete boom over top of the track, uh, which we can do when the train wasn't running. So it worked mm-hmm. out real well. One thing that was different than the job across the road, which was Shinola is we've kept our four main gates and and we haven't changed them. And, and, and we've just kept that consistency of kind of the, the rules that we play by down there and what we have to stay within. And, and I think it helps everybody stay on the same page that helps all the trades learn how they have to organize 
their materials, their logistics, et cetera. You asked about, um, you know, road closures for utilities and such. Um, that, that was a challenge. Uh, you know, closing the roads wasn't so bad. Uh, you know, we'd have to go again through a proper uh, right away permitting process, which, uh, You'd go sit in front of the traffic review committee and explain what you're doing, why you're doing, how long it's going to take, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can imagine, um, you know, with the city being well over 100 years old, there is a lot of utilities underground that uh, we didn't know were there or um, if they were there, they weren't where they thought they were going to be. Uh, back in 05, I think it was when the Super Bowl was here, the city went through in downtown and did a lot of underground work, um, but unfortunately didn't really record what they did. So uh, we got to go find a lot of it for them. Um, so we would close down any given road. Uh, you know, uh, our civil team would come in, tear up the road, start digging. And, you know, we had a couple of swing and a misses where we just abandoned ship. Uh, we'd pave the road, open it back up and regroup. So we had to do that, I think, on uh, Gratiot once mm-hmm. uh, and then Grand River once as well, where it just we couldn't we couldn't do what we had to do. So we had to completely regroup. Um, however, I mean, I will say, um, you know, due to the, the the length of time it took for us to get our caissons installed because of uh, millions of uh, of uh, obstructions we hit on that thing. Um, you know, we, we had all the utilities in by the time we actually pulled this building out of the ground. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, when we were talking stormwater, sanitary, you know, city water, you name it, everything was already on site, which is which is a luxury, quite frankly. Same with with permanent power. Um, so it, it was a challenge, but uh, we got through it. Yeah. And we've also, uh, we've got a couple core guys from Bart Mallow laborers and operators and carpenters that have been on the job for years with us. And they, they help tremendously with keeping the job flowing downtown. They, they know the rules they know because obviously Chad can't be outside every minute. I can't be out there watching, you know, the operations go on, but we've got a really good core group of guys um, as well as subcontractors that understand what they need to look out for, how they need to, you know, operate to be efficient and, you know, not hold up anything in the city either. So, no, I'm glad you brought that up because he's absolutely right. We got operator foreman on the ground, a labor foreman on the ground, uh, people mover spotter on the ground um, that uh, I, and, and I don't want to minimize what Zach and, and all the other superintendents do, but um, those, those few individuals themselves make the job run much smoother than we could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, we are so very fortunate to have them and, and they weren't handpicked. Um, Billy, we, we found Billy by accident. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the operator foreman, but um, you just, you just can't ask for a better group of guys. And, and, you know, Billy and I were talking about it one day is, is, you know, I, I was just explaining to him how well it's working. And I, and I say, I, I could not have imagined it going better. I mean, we had some, you know, you know, images of how we thought logistics was going to go and in tower crane time, because we control um, you know, basically every piece of equipment that's on the site, the tower cranes are under the CM team, the fork trucks are underneath the CM team, uh, you know, I- I- everything. And, and we did that because we didn't want so many different operators, so many different pieces of equipment because we don't have the, the luxury of space. Mm-hmm. And, and the one thing that Billy, you know, mentioned, which, you know, I, I can appreciate and, and uh, hopefully we'll take it to the next one. He goes, he goes, he goes, I think why I and we are taking such ownership because we've been here since day one. So we have literally seen this mm-hmm. whole thing come together. And they just feel a bigger part of it than I think I think they typically would. So mm-hmm. it's something mm-hmm. that we can all learn from and, and take with it. Because like I can say it, it, the job would not be where it's at today without just those few key individuals. Going back to the tower cranes and stuff like that, I know uh, what was it about six months ago we disassembled one, right? Like we pulled the one out of the block and four had months it, ago, four months ago, yeah. Can you talk about that experience and kind of what that was like? Yeah, I, I can. Zach wasn't there. Yeah, that's <laughs> one thing. Was I that he, he was yeah. off that weekend? I'm never gonna live it down. <laughs> Uh, no. Um, so uh, th- this was, uh, you know, again, I, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was just under a year in the making to take this thing down. Um, so 
uh, it, it was funny because we, we the, this specific crane was 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 put basically dead uh, center of, of Zach's building. And um, so I can't tell you how many people came to me and said, how the hell are you going to get this thing out of here? Um, you know, the, the one thing about tower crane, which, uh, you know, hopefully anybody that's listening, that's going to put up a tower crane is, is listening uh, soon. But uh, if, you know, when you put it, when you decide where you're placing a tower crane, the very first thing has to be, how am I going to get this thing out of here? Um, because that, that needs to be literally on number one, because it's easy when there's, when there's nothing there, but all of a sudden you got a building in the way and utilities, whatever else, it's all things that to be considered. So um, at the time, um, you know, there was a, a crane on the west side of the state um, that was large enough to, to pick uh, up and over the building and, and, and literally thread the needle and, and pull this crane out piece by piece uh, up and over and through the building. Um, <laughs> we were about halfway through uh, the planning process of getting uh, the crane out and realized that company sold their crane. I'm like, oh, well, this is a bit of a problem because we, you know, we budgeted around this specific crane and <laughs> right. and whatever. And um, so it made some calls with, uh, you know, just some local resources and, and, and some contacts that I have around. And 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 luckily, a much smaller firm uh, up near Saginaw has a, had an even bigger crane. Um, so I called those gentlemen up and uh, they came down and said, yeah, we can take this thing down. In fact, um, yeah, the, the crane is so big, uh, they could actually have reached up and over the building on the other side and picked the crane up if they really had to. So oh, that's um, crazy. Like, what do they use that it's for? It's incredible. Uh, yeah. Actually, windmill maintenance is windmill the, stuff. Yep. That's what I was just going to ask. Like, was that part from our like sustainability team or not? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's a yeah, 900 ton, uh, 900 ton crane. Um, it's a LeBear. I think it's a 1750 two or something like that. But yeah, it's a, it's just a very impressive machine. Uh, so yeah, uh, but uh, and uh, the, the the issue with it is um, because it is so big, we had to close down a road, and uh, the only road that we had available to us uh, due to its size. Um, and and um, you know, the one thing uh, to keep in mind as well, just about every building in in Detroit, or at least downtown Detroit, has a basement underneath it, or or some sort of you know cellar, or uh, what else? Vault. Like, vault. Thank you. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Vault. And um, so we had to keep away from that because the ground pressure. You can imagine nine hundred ton crane, nine hundred ton crane. How much the thing weighs? So now we had to stay away from all those vaults, basements, you know, in our own basement. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only road that was wide enough and could get us far enough was Woodward. Uh, Woodward, obviously the main th- thorough fair through uh, downtown uh, it's difficult to close uh, m1 rail we had to shut down so we had uh, we had to pay their wages for for a weekend um, but to do that uh, we also had to run 24 hours a day uh, for uh, three days i think it is um, we started at uh, midnight on friday morning and we had that thing opened at uh, sunday at 9 p.m i believe so it went very very well um, mm-hmm. but we, we were working around the clock i had had two crane operator crews had two uh rigging crews that were tearing down the crane and um it was just one of those things that uh, went flawlessly and it needed to i mean you know weather because if it was too windy we couldn't do it if it rained we couldn't do it i mean there's just so many things that had to come together all at one time to make happen and and luckily uh out of all the challenges that we have had on this job that wasn't one of them that's awesome so are we gonna have a similar situation when with this with the other crane that's still there or not? yeah it'll be similar um yeah. it's gonna be the same crane um because uh, again the, the this to- the, the the next tower crane what we call tower crane one is is outside the tower um but but however it's it's far enough back and into the basement where we still need a large crane to tear it down so mm-hmm. most likely it'll still be that crane and it's going to be a little bit taller than the crane that that was on zach's building um because to climb down, because these cranes climb themselves, and they they you know they disassemble themselves as well. Um, it just takes time. So we're going to stop at the second tie, which is going to be about three hundred feet above grade, and then uh, take it down from there. So it's going to be quite a stick, but yeah, it'll be a very similar operation. You so you'll take it down at three about halfway. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll climb down at night, and then you know for about two weeks, it's going to take us to get down you know down that three hundred feet, and then from there we'll come in another long weekend and get the rest out so then can you how will the, re- the additional 300 feet go up then 
it, it climbs itself. The tower cranes. Oh, the tower cranes go yeah. up. Okay, yeah, yeah, the tower cranes okay. climb themselves, and and the same thing. You know, so you know, right now, I think a month ago, we added another hundred feet. So it climbs 100 feet in the exact same process of tearing it down. So once we top out the building, get all the equipment out, mm-hmm. you know, the windows are done, this thing will climb himself down uh, up to oh, crazy. 300 feet, and then we'll tear the rest down conventionally. Nice. Yeah. Zach, will you be there for that, this one? Yes. <laughs> yes. Are you committed? I'm committed. Well, this one's got Don't make promises you can't Hey, do. even if I'm not on the site, I'm going to go down there and make sure Chad's doing all right. <laughs> That's all for this episode of Said Differently. Thanks to Zach and Chad for joining us. We'll catch you back here soon for more stories from the job site. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to check out the Said Differently Beyond the Build series, where we profile various Barton Mallow team members and their construction stories. This is Said Differently, a Barton Mallow podcast. For more information on the Hudson Site development, visit www.hudsonsitedetroit.com or www.bartonmallow.com. This is Said Differently, a Barton Mallow podcast.